0: Welcome to the newest episode of Two Guys Who Happen to be Pastors. I'm Pastor Glenn Davis. I'm joined this evening by Pastor Matt Heath. Pastor Matt Heath, how are you this evening?
1: I've been better, Glenn. Been better, uh, as we'll find out in the farm report a little bit later. Uh, Had some issues today. But other than that, you know, I've... Yeah, you know, we typically record these on Sunday, and I got up and I did what the Lord called me to do, so I can't complain about that too much. But other than that, I'm a little exhausted, a little tired, but it is what it is. So, Glenn, I do believe we've got a few things that uh, you're going to have to answer for from last week. Friends, if you don't know, or if you didn't listen last week, Glenn had a few... Uh, mentioned a few things throughout that were either from Hebrew or things like that, Uh, also some scripture things, and we wanted to go ahead and clean those up, just so there's no confusion, and also maybe to kind of poke a little fun at Glenn. So Glenn, why don't you go ahead and fill us in on where we went wrong?
0: Well, there was some question, which I believe I was honest about, uh, that when discussing the beginning of the books of Deuteronomy and Numbers in the Torah, in the original Hebrew, um, I said that um, Hadevarim was the beginning of Numbers, which Hadevarim is um, the words. I said it was in the wilderness, so I screwed that up really bad.
1: Um,
0: My mother used to say to me when I would read Hebrew and things just just for fun. Of course, in class, your professor knows. But uh, my mother used to say when I do these things at churches, and I do from time to time, uh, that, well, no one will know any better. Well, I like to keep track of myself a little better. So for the record, (laughs) let the record state, Bamidbar in the wilderness. Bamidbar is the Hebrew word, for the book of Numbers. In the wilderness. ha is the words that starts Deuteronomy. So, let the record show. Pastor Glenn was wrong. Shocking. Who'da thunk it? Shocking. Pastor I mean, Glenn was let wrong. Let me tell
1: you, that is, that is just absolutely shocking now.
0: Who'da thunk I uh, got somebody could can mess up a three to four thousand year old language that was dead for a hundred, a couple hundred years and then all of a sudden came back to life through a bunch of monks, the Masoretes, and you know heaven forbid.
1: We'll give you a pass this week. Let's see how we do next week.
0: I will tell you this much: whether I interpreted it correctly or not, I promise you I pronounced it right.
1: Well, because that... I
0: did an independent study in seminary on Hebrew pronunciations. <laughs> My Hebrew is pretty good. We we had a, a booth vendor at conference a couple of years ago who was who was a Jewish fella and. Sold items and like to go around and talk and do love feasts, and Passover feasts with different groups. And he he thought my uh, pronunciations were impeccable. Wow. as I sat down and looked at his Hebrew Bible, and I said, "Oh, you're reading the Psalms," and he goes, "Oh, you read Hebrew." I'm like, "I speak Hebrew as well." <laughs> so, without further ado, let's get busy here. we uh, am gonna start off with a little uh, Purdue pondering. Um, For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, uh, I'm married into a Purdue family. My brother-in-law went to Purdue. My sister-in-law went to Purdue. My niece on my wife's side is currently attending Purdue. My wife went to Purdue. Everything in my house is Purdue. There's a banner behind Pastor Matt right now that says Boiler Nation. I fancy myself more a uh, USC fellow, but... um, Either way, it works. Now, that's been interesting because I've been wearing my USC sweatshirt considering it's, I don't know how cold it is, but it's getting cold in this state. And a lot of people are hollering fight on. So there's there's hope for the Trojans. <laughs> but um, you know, right now, Purdue's doing pretty well. And what you need to know if you're going to marry into Purdue family, and this goes out to some folks in my church circle uh, who may be considering taking taking the vows, um, everything in your life will start to revolve around Purdue. This is a true story. I wish I was making some of this stuff up. I could make a million dollars with some of these ideas. <laughs> uh, this will make a great Hallmark movie moment, I think, if anybody's interested in paying me for it. Uh, well, I guess once it's on the airwaves, it's gone. Yeah. So should have thought this through.
1: Hallmark, not a sponsor, <laughs> yet.
0: Yet. Uh, I got another great idea that my wife will not write down and develop into a story that could totally be a Hallmark movie before another time
1: no, no.
0: for another time. So my in-laws come over to eat at my house around Thanksgiving. I don't believe it was actually Thanksgiving cause we don't do Thanksgiving at our house. And, um, Lauren had prepared this really awesome dinner. Um, my brother-in-law sits down at the table and looks down at his uh, place setting for those of you who don't know what that is that's when you set your plates and forks and napkins and drinking glasses and whatnot out before everyone it's a cultured thing um, I'm just not gonna assume people know stuff anymore that's how that's how it works. And um, I believe my mother took a, a place setting course, or at least it was a chapter in some class, they, they home economics. To, they
1: used to have competitions for it back years ago, like back in the 50s and 60s.
0: And I helped my mom prep for a funeral dinner on Saturday, and uh, I had to set, I had to change a couple place settings because I am not very good at it. But I know <laughs> how to do it. So anyway, he looks down at his place setting, just, just mortified. And I said, did a cat throw up on your plate? What's going on there? And he's like, plates are red. The plates were red and white. Now, for those of you who have no idea why that would mean, because some of you are ahead of us at this point. Yeah,
1: yes, yes. Um,
0: <laughs> The reason that's so funny is because the uh, school in Bloomington, the Indiana University of Bloomington Hoosiers, their colors are red and white. And they are the mortal enemies of the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers, for anyone who's listening this out of state or out of context, do not feel the same way about Purdue. They look at Purdue as kind of like a fly that won't quit buzzing around them. We look at IU as if they need to be vanquished. They do. It's quite. kind of a yep. kind of a hardcore thing. Mm-hmm. IU really looks at Kentucky more of a rivalry. <laughs> Uh, but that's only because, as my, my family would say, we've been stomping them for, for quite a while. Now, in basketball, I'd say that's the case, and that's really chapping IU fans everywhere right now. Purdue's won five or six in a row over the Hoosiers. It's been a couple of years mm-hmm. since IU's really even been competitive with Purdue.
1: Well, I mean, if they fired their head coach after the last season, so I mean, don't that's lose, gotta, don't lose to Purdue. Th- that, <laughs> <laughs> don't lose <laughs> to Purdue. I mean, that's got to speak for something.
0: Absolutely. So, back to the story. My brother-in-law is just mortified, and he says, "Well, the plates are red." And I said, "Well, and your sister picked them out too. How about that?" Well, he gets up from the table with his plate. I figure he's going to go fill it with food, but we hadn't prayed yet, so I thought he was being a little rude. And he came back with a paper plate that he found in a cabinet. And he ate this delicious Thanksgiving chicken and noodles, mashed potatoes, green beans, corn, off a styrofoam plate. Oh, That he found in the cabinet. I don't know where he found it. We don't keep those (laughs) in the house. He was looking for anything else. And so finally, Lauren went out and bought blue and white plates. And so far, that has held up. We have not had any major concern about the color of our plates. So um, just to reiterate from week to week, um, there's nothing wrong. With marrying a Boilermaker, particularly if you yourself are a Boilermaker. But if you're not, just know, Purdue's going to come up all the time. Mm -hmm. It's going to be your life. So prepare yourself for things like that. Of course, the Boilermakers vanquished the mighty Michigan State Spartans this weekend. Such
1: a good game.
0: And I cannot get over, because remember the analogy I made. the, The metaphor, maybe that IU considers Purdue a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Purdue considers IU their mortal enemy. Purdue is up two and a half touchdowns on the number three team in the country. Michigan State's young, too. They're going to be a problem Mm -hmm. the next couple of years. They're going to get back at us. Um, So... While Purdue is up 17 points on the number three team in the country, they're kicking the ball off, and the crowd is screaming loud enough to be picked up on television without aid, IU sucks. Friends, let's all hold hands and think about this for a second. Purdue is beating a team that is ranked to play in the college football playoff. And all we can think about is how much IU sucks.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they had the game wrapped up. What more do you want?
0: At every kickoff. I encourage you if you ever get the chance, one time, don't go more than one time if you're not really interested. Cuz it's to the point where I can't even go to games anymore. They sell so beer in that place. I don't like going to games. People people get out of control with those games. Mm-hmm. It's So but I encourage you to go once because the depth of hatred for the Indiana Hoosiers in Rossade Stadium in West Lafayette is just beautiful. It's simmered up, it's comfortable. Everyone's in on it. And when IU comes to town to play for that bucket, oh, it boils over to just this beautiful aroma of hatred and jealousy and. Throw the banners in the pot, and there's John Wooden and Gene Cady and Bob Knight. It's just, So, 115, 120 years of just pure animosity just rolled up. And IU, I'm telling you, from the depth of my heart, IU comes to town, and they don't get it. Those players just look up like, why do these people hate us so
1: much? (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) so, uh, for those of you out there not familiar with the Purdue-IU rivalry, you will hear Michigan and Ohio State. I don't believe it compares to IU-Purdue. The only other comparable rivalry I have ever seen, and it could have been different eras, I'm only 36. The only comparable rivalry I have ever seen is Auburn and Alabama. Because you will get shot yeah. over Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> we're not quite there yet.
1: We're getting there though. Oh boy. Oh we're getting
0: there. That so someone's gonna be packing and some poor unsuspecting IU fans gonna to have to explain, sir, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> so hopefully everything will stay calm, but there's it's quite it's quite the rivalry. We'll say. So, we'll now move on to a real special uh, segment here. Matt's going to tell you his straight-off-the-rack here in the news. Uh, Matt, what's just right off the rack? What couldn't you live without? What couldn't you walk out of the store with this week?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I mean, this week, I... I, I, uh... My wife and I have kind of been trying to, to drink a little, health, drink healthier, more water, less, you know, juice and all this stuff. And this week I said, you know, I don't mind drinking water, but after a while, you want something with some flavor to it. You want something with some taste. So she went and bought, um, she was at the store and she texted me and said, hey, I got some of these drink mix things. Okay, good. She said, Oh, yeah, they're zero sugar or whatever. It's like, Great, you know, that sounds pretty good. It's like, Oh, and they were only like 80 cents or something. I'm liking this a lot more. Liking this a lot, lot more. And she brings them home. I look at them. I'm like, Oh, okay, this is pretty good. And I look, yeah, they don't have any sugar, but they've got what's that chem? What's the stuff they put? uh, Is it aspartame or whatever? Now fake, it's
0: it's more splendidly spl- new, okay. Like it was the the NutraSweet stuff. Yeah, was.
1: it it was it was like that, and I was reading the, the nutritional guide stuff on it, and I'm just literally sitting there, and I'm like, I'll just I mean, it it makes it taste good, but I mean, you're back up to a bottle of Coke. That was one, but I will say this: there's one thing that, and I, so. I am I have currently been dealing for a month now but trying to upgrade my new cell phone I've had this one currently for two years a little over two years and I felt um, excuse me that I was since I've become you know a new pastor and everything like that um, that I would um, treat myself a little bit so I ordered a phone in the back in the beginning of Ok october and they ship it and i have been dealing they literally i have yet to receive this thing they sent one then they took it back i tried to order another one and all of a sudden they said it would ship in december um but through all this the one thing another thing i just could not live without i ordered my phone case i put the cart before the horse but I have literally been chomping at the bit for this thing for a long time. It's made of wood. Going a little, a little random this time. Um, so you know, I I got got a little, little froggy, little froggy on that deal. Um. So yeah. Uh, Glenn, what's some? Is there anything on? You know, you just you saw that you just could not live without or anything like that or. Well, let's not get
0: too ahead of ourselves here. I'll go ahead and tell you that... um, I'll go ahead and tell you here that... um, Hold on a second, let me get the appropriate... uh, I've already messed up on the podcast this week. That was Matt's hats off to you moment.
1: Yes. And I
0: was trying to pull stuff off the rack, so as you can see... I'm much less a hunter and much more a gatherer, mm-hmm. in an effort to get us out of here. So,
1: well, uh, you know, it, it's one of those. I do real quick. Go for it. I do have I mean, a quick. I haven't earned the time. So. You, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. I do have a new, quick news article. Um, and by the way, speak. It kind of ties in the reason why we're uh, keeping an eye on our time this week. Uh, two reasons. One, last week our our series premiere was. Uh, Two hours. And, it, which is not a bad thing. It was a lot of good conversation. But the problem is, when we go to upload it, only certain spots want you to have like an hour, hour and a half. So I had to beg, borrow, and steal to get some uh, some airtime. But we got it up. Uh, if you're looking to listen to it, it is on Spotify. It is on SoundCloud. We also have a, a Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and type in two guys who happen to be pastors, and uh, we'll post each week's episode on there. Uh, We just uploaded the series premiere today, Um, so tune in, get that. The other reason why we're uh, keeping an eye on it is because tonight, after months, and I mean months of waiting, (sighs) the hat this evening has been exchanged from a ball cap to my trusty black Stetson. Tonight, my friends, as I'm sure a lot of you are fans out there, tonight is the premiere of Season 4 of Yellowstone. I have been a fan of this show since it came out. I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan. If you ask my wife, she says it's almost an unhealthy obsession with it. But at any rate, a lot of us, Glenn and I's wife, Glenn and I's wife, Glenn's wife and I are both diehard fans. Um, I even dressed up a little bit for her. I've got my... Uh, Yellowstone Dutton Ranch shirt on, I've got my, uh, my jacket that is uh, styled like that, and my cowboy hat, and my boots and everything, I'm ready to go for this now, I mean it's, it's going to be a good, uh, good evening, but tonight, the news article, my hat's off to this man, Florida man, dirts his hands, covers his hands with peanut butter, and punch his neighbor, who's allergic to nuts. You know, I know we have disagreements with people. We may have bitter rivalries. Me and Harry have one. IU Purdue. IU Purdue. Auburn, Alabama. Auburn, Alabama. That
0: sounds straight out of the Auburn Gazette. Right? I mean,
1: <laughs> well, just to the east a little bit. But, uh, you know... That takes a lot of like creative skill, and I don't know if that would really do anything. But hey, it can't. I mean, you would really have to like dislike somebody a lot to take a jar of Jif peanut butter and take that delicious product and coat your hands with it and go and punch somebody. That takes dedication. That takes a lot of a lot of planning. So my hats off to this guy, not necessarily for the action that he did, but for the creativity in doing it.
0: It's a special kind of
1: feeling. It is. It is. And now we go to a brand new segment which we can't. We thought of as we were talking last week after you were wrapping up. As you may know, we record these in Pastor Glenn's office. And around his office, he has a lot of Items that have stories, things that he has collected, uh, things that people have given him, what have you, that carry meaning or have a fun story behind them. So this week, we're going to find out what Glenn is going to talk about from his shelf.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. and I'll pull something off the rack here in a little bit after we uh, talk about what's going on in the pulpit, because I've just... Put a hex on the whole thing here. So, All right. uh, well, from my shelf this week, I am a collector of Palestinian olive wood and olive wood accessories. That was funny to about six mm-hmm. people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I thought I would talk to you about uh, my uh, camel figurines that I had that were made in Bethlehem, Palestine. For anyone not in the know out there, Bethlehem is actually not in Israel, though it is less than five miles from Jerusalem. It is part of the Palestinian Authority State. So, it has a different uh, ruling party than Gaza. That's something that the Palestinians are trying to figure out. Gaza is run by Hamas. Palestinians in the West Bank are governed by uh, a government um, near Jerusalem. And while they're visiting several years ago, I've been to Israel three times for anyone who doesn't know. I'm desperately trying to rack my brain trying to think of the capital of the West Bank and I'm not going to get it.
1: Yeah you know, the beautiful thing is we have internet.
0: We do. Mm-hmm. I should have looked that up, but you I know. had it and then it blanked on it. it. Happened this morning to me in church I hadn't happened that hadn't hardly happened to me in almost 20 years. Let's see, the Palestinian capital, which is not super important to the story, but it's kind of becoming a problem here, is Ramallah. I knew I had that. Ramallah is the capital of the West Bank. Of course, they'll tell you Jerusalem is their capital, but the Israelis, Israelis have something to say about that. <laughs> so it's, if you ever wondered why there's so many problems there, Look her up and get yourself educated, because it is a sojourn. So, we were at what I can only describe as a truck stop outside of Jericho. I want to tell everyone out there, these stories are authentic, I'm not lying to you. And they had this beautiful market with fresh almonds and just fruits, dried fruits, just beautiful place. We were buying things for various amounts of shekels and um, Jordanian dollars and trying to figure out exchange rates, which if you've never tried it's fun to do on the fly. (laughs) Um, I've gone to Israel at times when the Jordanian dollar is worth more than the American dollar, and that's when you get testy. Mm -hmm. So the camel figurines remind me, of this story because there's a guy on my shelf leading two camels along who are attached with gold chains and the third one it actually came in the package broken the chain was not connected and so I kind of have it shaped up to where it looks like the third camels getting away so as I'm purchasing a small bag of fresh dates oh my goodness delicious and some form of Israeli-Palestinian power aid. I'm not sure. It, it was nice. Yeah. I'm going to guess Mandarin of some sorts. It was an orangey drink. Uh, we looked up, and I said, well, would you look at that? And everyone looked over my shoulder. And off in the distance, it was about dusk, off in the distance we saw a camel who had his feet bound very close together. And he was running with his feet bound together, all four of them together. And it looked like if you've ever seen the Looney Tunes cartoons with Pepe Lepew, who I know has been canceled.
1: Yeah, I don't, but don't go there. Pepe
0: Lepew would always kind of run where he would bounce and kind mm-hmm. of flick his feet. Well that's what this camel was doing, and <laughs> he was doing it as if his life depended on it. And we all stood along the road there and rooted him on, and we watched him walk himself off into the sunset, into the wilderness of Palestine. And we applauded this, this camel because he had lived the dream. He had escaped from whatever he was bound to. And all I can say is this was about 14, 15 years ago. And if that camel happens to hear this broadcast, brother, I hope you made it (laughs) because he earned it. I mean, we watched him. You could see forever there. It's a rift valley, so everything's falling down towards the Jordan and the Dead Sea there. Mm -hmm. And so you could see forever that direction towards Jordan. And you can't really see that far to the west because the, the middle high grounds where Jerusalem and various cities are. Blocked that way and we watched he made it and i hope he got his feet cuffs off Uh, on the other hand if his owner caught him uh good for you sir you have a camel with a lot of heart (laughs) and i know from staying in an airport near queen alia airport in amman jordan that they have camel racing it's a brilliant sport fun to watch so if that rancher is listening and hasn't taken them up on it yet You need to get that camel racing. Because if he can run that way with four feet working as one. Oh,
1: man.
0: Imagine what he could do when he was liberated and free. So so I have two camels being led and one camel running for his life on my (laughs) shelf. And that is the story of um, why I have that. And you'll hear various stories. I've got probably hundreds, including my pictures, of just Mm -hmm. little things around my office that That have fun stories. I only keep things, really, if they have a story. So tune in next time to find out what the deal is with my 2012 autographed Purdue football. Autographed by the entire team. 2012 was not a good year for the (laughs) Boilermakers. But there are some NFL signatures on there, so we'll come back to that another time. So we'll move on to From the Pulpit to the Person where the pastoral side of Matt and I come out about things we're doing, things we enjoy about the job, maybe from time to time things we don't. So, Matt, take her away. What's uh, what's going on in the pulpit and the pocket?
1: Well, I'll tell you. Th- this week, I I've kind of been dwelling on this a little bit because it came about I was talking with somebody about a uh, this week's theme is going to be about music. So um, for this segment, so about back in August, I believe it was um, my well, let me back up. In June, my sister came to me and said, "Hey, I've got two tickets to go see um, this tour that's coming, and uh, it's got a couple bands in it. Do you want to go see it?" And I said, "Who are they?" And she said it. The opener was Weezer, and I'm like, well, I don't mind <clears throat> Island in the Sun, a few other odds and ends. And then uh, she said the middle band is Fall Out Boy, which she loves. She's loved them for years, and I like them. They're a good band. <coughs> Excuse me. And the second and the third one, the one that I was most excited to go see was good old Green Day. You know, Glenn and I, being you know products of the '90s, uh, late '80s, early '90s, um, you know, you grow up with certain things, and um, music is one of those that, you know, you just you can't get a, you can't get around. Um, it's just
0: a sound <clears throat> to the
1: '90s. Mm-hmm.
0: Green Day, I think, as much as any band personified. The
1: they they had i mean if you think of green day you either think of one of two things you either think of the dookie album which literally was you know that was one of the hit albums of the 90s did you know that i want to i want to get this right it was either james gandolfini or um it was i well it was the guy that played tony soprano that was gandolfini. james gandolfini he would listen to the Dookie album Between Takes on repeat on a record player. That's how classy that's this boss. that that's how classy this guy is. He loved that album.
0: That is upscale. That upscale.
1: is let me let me tell you. I mean, it's one thing to listen to that album on your Apple playlist or whatever, but for this guy to not only listen to it, but to listen to it on record that's
0: you know, sidebar.
1: If you ever get the
0: chance to uh, pick up some of this vinyl stuff, my dad has a vinyl player. Ooh,
1: be still my just, heart.
0: Just so you know,
1: i uh, I'm um, um, I'll be honest. I'm a little. I'm gonna have to start scouring some record stores now if they still have them. Oh, well,
0: we've got we've got um, the limited edition Little Richard singing the Curly Shuffle. Ooh.
1: You do. Mm. I mean, the man has taste. I'm going to give you that. Your dad has taste. I'm not uh, sure what it's in. But it's <laughs> but, um, but I was telling somebody. I said, "Hey, um, we went to the tour. We went to the concert. It was awesome. I had I had never had a chance to see Green Day live. When I came, about the time I got interested in them is when the American Idiot album came out, in like oh four oh five, and I was hitting middle school right then." And so, you know, I grew up listening. Dad listened to, like, the golden oldies and country. Mom listened to soft rock for a busy world kind of stuff, you know. Um, and she listened to the BGS and all that stuff. So I really, coming out of it, I know a lot of people say, oh, we only listen to country. We listen to George Strait in the house all the time. Mom listened to Reba. I listened to literally everything. And so... When it you know, when I went into ministry, that was kind of a thing I was gonna question. Like, do I you know, people automatically assume that, you know, you once you put on you know, neither one of us are Catholic, but I mean once you put on the collar, basically, people automatically assume that you assume a new identity Absolutely. in in all aspects. Um, including in music. And um you know, I was a little leery about, like, you know, I kind of, it was one of those, I mean, I enjoyed the concert, but on the way home, like, man, how am I going to answer for this Green Day pennant I have or this tour poster I have in my office? Um, <clears throat> but I ended up actually preaching a, uh, preaching a sermon on it a couple weeks, about a week or two afterwards. And uh, I had people come up to me and say, oh, i got to ask, what was the concert? You didn't mention it. And I said, well, it, it wasn't church music, I'll say that. It wasn't, you know, David Crowder or anybody, or Mercy Me. And uh, they said, who was it? And I said, well, it was Weezer, Fall Out Boy, and Green Day. And the people I was talking, oh, I love Green Day. That's so good. And then they turned to me and say, wait, you listen to Green Day? I hate to break the, the stigma here, but that's what we're doing with this segment. Yes, we do listen to other things besides um, K-Love or anything like that. Now, granted, we do still listen to that. I do, and I know Glenn does. We still listen to Mercy Me. We still listen to the, the old hits, the new ones, the, the new Christian songs that come out once every six months, you know, things like that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it's one of those things that it really and truthfully... Um, you know, it, if that, the way I look at it is, if that allows me to connect with somebody, if they come into the church, or I'm talking to somebody about coming to church, and they say, well, I don't know, I don't really know the hymns or anything, or, you know, the music's not me, or, you know, they whatever, you know, you try to talk with them, Well, what do you listen to? Well, I listen to I listened to Good Charlotte. Hey, that's a great band. I like listening to them. You know, a few a few of their songs. Really, you I said, yeah, and and it, the thing about it is, like I say, just because, I mean, we still we still remember and we still know that worship music, um, praise music, whatever you want to call it, that is still in our hearts. That is still. Very much a part of us, but we also listen to things that we like—not say that we don't like, you know, the other stuff—but things that we grew up with, things that invoke nostalgia, things that you know make us feel better when we're down, or you know, things that just kind of get us pumped up and excited, and things like that, you know. And uh, so, again, when you're talking with your pastor this week, or when you see him in the pulpit. You know, maybe play a little bit of guessing game after he's done with his sermon, of course. And, you know, maybe ask yourself, I wonder if that guy ever listened to Nirvana. I'll bet you a solid gold dollar he probably did at some point, if he's our age. So, that's just, that's our point with that, folks. Music is a huge part of of church. It's a huge part of worship. But, if you pass me and I'm in the truck and I'm just rocking out or just jamming to something, sing along with me if you know the song, or give me a thumbs up or whatever, or you know, just like I say, it. We <laughs> we have lives outside of this, folks. It's just one of those things, and uh, just keep that in mind for all of your for your for everybody's pastor. Um, they are a person too, folks. So just keep that in mind. So now, we are going to um, the, now we're actually going to the random crap straight off the rack. And I do believe this week you have something that has been, I guess, ruined to you, my friend. Something that you've, uh, you kind of have an issue with, I guess. Oh my, yes.
0: So... We just got done with uh, Halloween and um, Halloween is not one of my favorite holidays. Um, As the great, uh, late great, uh, may he rest in peace, comedian John Panette once said, Halloween is one of the most magical times of the year. You knock on the door and they give you candy. It doesn't work any other time of the year. (laughs) He assured us that he had tried. So, I mean, I don't want to get carried away with down talking Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is part of the All Saints Day celebration and the passing from life to death and blurring the line of that crossing. So, it does get a little spooky around harvest and, you know, you're thinking of all the harvests of the past, all the people who have gone off before us. So, I want to discuss the topic... That is um, something I didn't used to like talking about, but as you mentioned, it has been ruined.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that is the film series Child's Play, Mm. um, better known by its main character, Chucky. Um, Nobody, Hardly anybody knows that it's called Child's Play anymore uh, because it's kind of like Married with Children. Nobody knows Married with Children, but everyone knows Al Bundy. Mm -hmm. So they've made a couple new Chucky things over the last couple of years. Um, Spoiler alert for anyone out there. I didn't see the film, but I read the synopsis. The new Chucky film is based on a doll made in a factory overseas. I'm not going to say which country because I'm not real sure, but I know they had sweatshops because the guy basically commits suicide after he makes the doll. And there's a safety switch on the doll that you have to hit because robots can be evil or whatever. Mm. And he doesn't hit the switch on this one. And this doll learns how to kill stuff and apparently likes it. So now they have a television series on sci-fi. And I saw that Chucky went trick-or-treating and insisted that if they didn't cough up the candy, he would be giving them a trick as if that was supposed to be scary. Uh, folks, let me take you on a little jog back through memory lane, because I saw the original three Child's Play movies, two of them kind of against my will. (laughs) I had an older brother, do the math, (laughs) and, um, the original Chucky movie, and people don't realize, you know, if you pull out the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Halloween with Michael Myers, these movies were utterly terrifying. Because there was a psychological element to them. Mm -hmm. In the original Chucky movie, spoiler alert, it is almost 30 years, 40 years old. So I don't think I'm taking too many liberties here. Um, The main character in the film that becomes Chucky was a serial killer who knows voodoo, who passes his soul on to this doll. So it's not the doll. It's the guy. Who's controlling the doll. And I don't know how much y'all know out there about voodoo, but I know people who have been to countries where voodoo is quite prevalent. And I'm familiar with the spirit slash demon and angel world. There's some scary stuff going on there. So I don't mess with it very much. My wife loves New Orleans and New Orleans culture. I'm scared, hoping we'll just get out of there without catching a demon or something. (laughs) Um, so the original Chucky movies were about this character, this main character, who's a serial killer, who also has some kind of control over his spiritual destiny, his soul. He's trying to keep from going to hell, basically, and he's just murdering people with a vengeance and um, doesn't seem to care much, and those original movies Terrifying, because there's an element to that where even as a Christian person, where you're like, "Oh, don't be ridiculous! A doll coming to life! Oh, you're gonna take voodoo and possession and demonic stuff!" Well, all right, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) But now they've made Chucky into this poor, misunderstood figure who is trying to be a real boy and just doesn't quite understand and. Not to mention that, um, and this is where it really hit rock bottom to me, As I'm reading the synopsis, and there was a safety button that didn't get switched. For those of you who don't know, in the first six to seven episodes of The Treehouse of Horror on The Simpsons, there is an episode where Homer is given a Krusty doll to take home for Bart's birthday. And the Krusty doll tries to kill Homer... And when the maintenance guy comes, the doll had been switched to evil. (laughs) We come full circle. (laughs) So, if you want to get to know Chucky on some level, and for heaven's sakes, I couldn't think of why you'd want to, the new stuff is not nearly as scary. I welcome you to sample it. But if you ever meet a guy in his, well, we're soon to be 40s, who is off-put by Chucky, doesn't want to watch Chucky, doesn't want to hear how much you like Chucky, just remember, we were all traumatized as children by the film Child's Play. So, am I upset that it was ruined? No, I sleep a little better now. (laughs) But if you want to talk about scary... Folks, you unless you grew up in the 80s and 90s and 2000s, you will never know the utter terror that was found in that character, Chucky. If you were listening to this and saying, what a wimp, I'll dare you. <laughs> Go back and watch the original and then come back and talk to me if you can still find the words.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. So, that's enough complaining about that. You know, I don't know if this is so much a podcast as it is, it is a therapy session for me at this point. I, I, but, you
1: know, I... <laughs> it, but I also
0: happen to know that a lot of people are thinking what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And there are some that think I'm insane. And I enjoy rallying up both parties. So, <laughs> speaking of rallying up both parties, uh, we've got our farm report uh, coming up here. Um, so, I don't know what the deal with Harry is. You know what the deal with Harry is. Um... I'm hoping eventually we'll get deeper into it. I know already from speaking to you ahead of time that Harry's kind of a sensitive subject this week. So I'm not going to ask if we get to hear what happened with Harry, but are we going to get any closer to what happened with Harry?
1: Well, Harry, I do believe. I mean, so first off, Harry knows what he did. Harry, if you're listening, I know what you did. You know what you did. And I'm just waiting. Your day's coming. Or maybe mine is one, but it will be here. This week I do believe Harry must stop by, Glenn, when I wasn't out. Because this week um, a lot of farmers around, uh, especially in our part of the world and here in Indiana, um, a lot of uh, harvest has been going on. We've had great weather, um, all except the mud. Uh, A friend of mine actually texted me, he sent me a Snapchat today, He had buried the combine all the way to the axles. Now, I want you to picture this is a giant machine. It weighs, oh, it probably goes two ton maybe, uh, maybe three ton. And he buried the thing in mud and sent me a video of him pulling it out, getting ready to pull it out with a tractor. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're at that point, and he he was cutting, he had a full load. Excuse me. If you're to that point... You might as well just go ahead, shut the motor off, and head for the house and have a cup of coffee because you are done, my friend. But at any rate, there's been a lot of harvest go on. I, Dad, and I were talking before I came over here. I'll bet in the last probably five days, about sixty percent of our county has been harvested, either in the grain bin or at the elevator. Uh, I was one of those until this afternoon when I was getting ready to start taking off and filling the, the combine up so I could fill my wagons and take them to the elevator tomorrow, and my dad says, hey, that back tire looks pretty low. will not we take it up to the house real quick and put some air in it? Great! So I pull it all the way to the end of the field, go through the little gateway, and turn on, you know, on the road, the asphalt, and I start driving and driving and driving, and it's a pretty smooth ride, and all of a sudden... It starts to kind of bounce me a little bit. I feel something coming from the back, like the locomotion, you know. And then all of a sudden it gets really bad, and I just slow down, way down. And eventually it gets to a point where it's just like the thunk, 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 thunk. And I'm thinking oh, that tire has come off the rim. I don't know how, but it's come off the rim. Well, I know how it ran out of air. So, needless to say, the combine is currently in the front yard of my dad's, and it is being the tire is over at a local shop getting a new or getting a used one put on. I ain't made of money, and uh, hopefully, I'll have it back tomorrow, and we should be able to finish by tomorrow by uh, Tuesday. So, um, farms going for the farm the farmers out there, if you listen to this. Uh, no I'm thinking of you I'm in the same boat we're all praying for you know we've been praying for a good harvest this year and it sounds like yields have been doing pretty good uh, weather's going to take a little bit of a turn for us a little bit this week but I think we should be able to still keep going so just keep plugging along and we'll get there so now we move on to what our wives have to look forward to this is a part where we talk about different stories and things about what our dads have done and Glenn I believe you've got a great story this week about you and your dad in a pool.
0: Well, we got a million of them. I am, I'm kind of stealing my wife's thunder a little bit because she wants to write a book called Stuff My Father-in-Law Says. And uh, th- this story is a doozy. Dad, if you happen to hear this, just know it comes from a place of love. Um, this is from a story that um, he will argue to the death has some uh, discrepancies in it, but I can tell you uh, from interviewing eyewitnesses, my mother and my niece Madison, this story is absolutely true. So, my father is addicted to yard work. Um, He has the most beautiful flower beds in the town, maybe in the county. Um, He's got these big, beautiful maple trees that he's planted over the years. Um, His yard is pristine, spotless. There's not a leaf on it at this moment. I know because he was out raking and mulching it yesterday when we were getting ready for the funeral dinner. So, um, told you last week about going and buying a mower. That's it. I mean, I don't begrudge him. This is his thing. It's his yard. But um, he mixed the two seasons in a way that didn't help anyone one particular year. So Madison was probably five or six. My niece Madison will be turning 13 in January. Lord help us all. Mm. And uh, she was out in the pool. It was right at the end of October, and it was still very warm. And Dad said, "We'll go enjoy the pool because I'm going to take it down um, here in a couple weeks." Which, just completely off topic, um, I'm still aware my dad could probably kill me at this point. <laughs> But I don't have the same fear of him that I used to because I could tell he softened up. My brother and I never had a pool. And, you know, my brother lived at home until he was probably 23, 24. I lived at home until I was probably 21, 22. Never had a pool. Madison has a pool. Madison's had a puppy. Madison's had all of the things that we desperately wanted. So she can leave the door open on the house in the winter and doesn't get yelled at. So maybe it's just because she's adorable. She is a beautiful young girl, but I digress. She's out in the pool. My dad's got his lawn sweeper hooked up. And there's some leaves in this in-between area between their garage and their house. It's not attached, but it's very close. And my he starts going in there and getting leaves. And mom said, now you need to be careful doing that. Because you're going to get into that extension cord and you're going to get tangled. My dad stops, steps off the mower and says, how do you know that's going to happen? Mom says, because you're dangerously close to it. If you sweep that up, you're going to end up tearing up your outlet over there. I will tell you now that the pool was plugged into this extension cord. Mm -hmm. And it apparently occurred to no one the real danger that was taking place. My mother was concerned it was going to tear up the outlet. So dad says, oh, don't be ridiculous. Don't tell me how to do my stuff out here. I know what I'm doing. He kind of turned into, I am a man's man. I will tell you. And from experience as, as a boy who grew up in a house with three men and one woman, saintly, saintly woman, um, my mother is always right. Right. Um I think it's just a product of her dealing with three idiots over the, you know the last <laughs> 45 50 years uh most of that time and so my dad said something to the effect of that won't happen relax and he came to make his final turn in the in between folks I don't know what he thought was going to happen whether he thought that he would just run over the cord and it wouldn't get swept Or he thought he would hear it and he would stop and take it out. But he completely disregarded my mother's request that he wait until they put the pool up to do that section. Or at the very least, get the push mower Mm -hmm. and finish it. He ran right across. He claims he heard a thunk And thought to himself, what was that? And then heard a very loud commotion behind him. He looked up to see my niece floating across the yard (laughs) on a huge wave of water. What he had done was not only had he destroyed the extension cord, he had yanked the side of the pool (laughs) completely off the foundation so that all the water and all of its contents, Madison and all her pool toys... We're finally mercifully stopped by the fence that separates my dad's yard from our neighbors to the south. So Lauren, settle in. This is what you have to look forward to.
1: That's beautiful. Oh, it was That's it was the, something. I, I would have paid five bucks to watch that.
0: From the eyewitness accounts. I, you would have paid more. If you hear my mother tell this or she loves to tell this story. <laughs> my dad will tell you, oh, come on, it didn't happen like that. My mother has told the same story for seven years. It absolutely happened like that, <laughs> and I can absolutely see it happening. To top it all off, Madison bumps into the fence on her floaty and yells... Grandpa, <laughs> she told you about the cord. So not only did they have to get another pool, they had to buy another extension cord. And I'm not sure which made him matter.
1: Oh.
0: But he was hot. Oh. So just a little side tale to finish that up. Um, it had rained really hard the following weekend. And Lauren and I were picking up some drive through in Anderson and there was a puddle draining in the sewer system and I'm not sure what was blocking it, but something was blocking the flow of water. Could have been leaves, could have been a cup from a restaurant. I don't know, but it broken loose and a whole bunch of water rushed down towards the sewer. And Lauren said, Hey, look, that water's still going. (laughs) (laughs) So, so there you have it, folks stuff that my wife has to look forward to in the coming years. I already look like him. I'm gaining on him. I'm already doing crazy stuff.
1: God bless that woman.
0: Whew, she's uh, She's got quite a time. So, mm-hmm. um, As many of you know, if you go to church, um, the pastor's family is usually a source of great joy for the congregants, unless the kids are turds, in which case it can be quite a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we know lovely Lorraine is no such thing, and the beautiful princess that she is Matt's going to tell us in a moment what's going on with the kids of course I will tell you I have cats and a pup he's he's turned seven this year oh, my. and uh someone up uh, when he was a itty bitty puppy we, we took him to PetSmart probably a week after we gotten him walked him around in there and someone offered me five hundred dollars for Asa and I think if I could go back now and find that same person I could maybe get three cents on the dollar. (laughs) So, Matt, what's up with the kids?
1: Well, I'll I'll tell you. I mean, this week, uh, Lorraine, as you know, we've been kind of going through the potty training. She is a little over two, and, you know, we've kind of let her be, you know, be the – she's kind of led that a little bit. You know, we kind of wanted to. And I, I might have touched on it last week, but this week she has upgraded to uh, big, girl, uh, big Girl Undies. Nice. And she has gone two whole days, no accidents, no nothing. So Beautiful. So she is uh, most definitely, she is growing up a lot quicker um, than I originally anticipated. And everybody always says, you know, pay attention when your kids are growing up because it goes by so fast. And I used to say, oh, I'll, I'll be able to see, dude. This week, I, like I said, I've been in the field with harvest and everything. Um, you know, when I see her uh, after I haven't seen her, you know, because they go to bed fairly early and I get home a little later. Uh, when I've seen her this week, she—I mean, I'll bet she's grown a foot. Uh, she hasn't, but I mean, it just—I mean, she just kind of carries herself as. You know, she's becoming more independent. She wants to do more things by herself, and I love it. But also, um, there's been a few nights where I'm wondering, well, she's independent about this, what else is she going to stop needing my help for and everything? And, you know, it's one of those things, though. You know, kids are always going to need their parents. Little girls are always going to need their daddy, whether it's to write a check for something or whatever. I've got a wedding to pay for, I know that. But um, at any rate, I, I still I still love her, and um, you know I'm not gonna miss this roller coaster ride for anything uh, whatsoever. So, um, so yeah, it's been really great. Um, she's growing up. Got a little bit of a celebration this week, and it's great. So, segueing haphazardly from bathroom talk. We're going to talk about a commercial that really has ticked Glenn off this week. Well, it's been ticking him off longer than that, but that's what we've decided to cover this week. Glenn, why don't you take us away on that?
0: This is a seamless transition, my friend. Props.
1: I try. So, I've decided that
0: I really need to take this platform and explain to you my problems with commercials. Um, Commercials can be the really good or really bad and i don't base them off the product they're selling i base them off whether i believe them or not you know there's commercials sometimes where people talk like they have a phd in understanding pharmaceuticals and i'm like you're drinking out of a solo cup but anyway i um I'm over the people at Charmin. First of all, we couldn't get toilet paper for several months Mm -hmm. last year. They're talking like we're not going to be able to get it again. We're fine. (laughs) They have it. I worked at Aldi for two months. We never ran out. Relax. Just so everybody knows. So the good people at Charmin have started producing commercials. Probably started about five or six years ago. With these family, this family of bears that can't seem to wipe their butts correctly, and um, the most, the latest commercial in this series of doozies um, has a young bear that's constantly scratching his butt and saying he just can't get clean. And now they buy Charmin toilet paper, and all of a sudden he magically figures out how to wipe. Um, folks, first of all. As the great Jim Cornette has said in the past, I'm watching television. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Second of all, if he couldn't figure it out with school-grade paper, Charmin ain't going to help him that much. So first of all, for this new series of commercials, and we're going to talk about another one real soon. (laughs) who seem to be focused on the number two activity that takes place in the restroom, keep it to yourself. How comfortable is your product? How much does it cost? That's what I need to know. (laughs) I've been thinking for years about Sue and Angel Soft because it's a very rough texture. I don't even like blowing my nose with it. (laughs) Charmin's a wonderful product. It's very soft. It's very welcoming. I would sleep on a pillow of it. Stop telling me how clean it gets your behind. I don't want to know. I'm watching TV. I'm likely eating popcorn. Leave it out of it. Please. Mm. So... As you could tell, that was a that was a deep spot for me. Uh, the it, the it, good people at Charmin seem to have lost their ever loving minds at this point.
1: It, yeah, I mean, I can tell it. Toilet paper is a big deal to you. I, I can tell that it's a big deal to all of us, really.
0: You know, you will pick up on the more we do this, and the and the more you listen, that there are some very wise people, that have invested in my life. Some of them very personally. Uh, I'll drop names like Jim Nichols, Minnie Piper, Donna Clark, Gladys Richards that you may have never heard of. Mm. Um, I'll also drop names that you absolutely should have heard of if you haven't, look them up. Jim Cornette, John Panette, John Caparulo. Some people who just are very wise, very funny people. And John Panette said it best when he said, He walks down the aisle at the supermarket. And no matter how broke he was in the days of doing comedy, he always bought Charmin. (laughs) Because, I mean, if you're going to give up on your toilet paper, you've lost everything. (laughs) I mean, creature comforts. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And I think that you could sell a lot of toilet paper just based on ours is the softest. Come and get it (laughs) because you use toilet paper for so many other things, it's a very useful, very you know, flexible product. I don't want to know, whatever you do in that stall is between you and maybe Jesus if you're praying. (laughs) Otherwise, keep it to yourself, please. That's all I'm asking. And we have got a set of commercials in this country that have took it way too far. <laughs> Sharman, I'm looking at you. Not interested in having you as a sponsor. If all you're gonna do is talk about getting your hiney clean. Don't wanna know. If you will tell me in the commercial, hey, this is great for cleaning up messes, I'll get I'll get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll get it. Don't need don't need the visual interpretation. Gosh, they did one or four years ago where it told the toilet paper was sticking to him. I turned it off. Yeah, I remember that one. I turned it off.
1: Yeah.
0: Nope, just changed the channel. We're going to talk about another one of those next week. But for <laughs> now, we're going to get off my rant. We're going to talk about something super productive and fun. Words and passages that you should never leave for a liturgist. So, oh,
1: man.
0: Um, It's not just difficult words that sometimes you leave for a liturgist. Sometimes you leave words. Now, if you're not unfamiliar with this topic, I'll explain that. Occasionally, as a minister, you have someone read a passage for you. That's not something we do a lot at Willow Branch. I usually do most of the reading. But I've been at other churches where people like to get involved in the service and read the passages. I have no hard opinion either way. Both work fine for me.
1: Well, that's how I got started, yeah. I mean, that's, that was my exposure to ministry earlier
0: on. And I've had people come up and guest read scriptures for me before, but... As you will pick up on, there are times that I pick pretty difficult to read passages because I'm not afraid to talk about anything in the pulpit. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Charmin, but I'm not willing. I'm not fearing repercussions right? because if we need to talk about it, we need to talk about it. Right. But when you go out of town, you have to be careful what you leave for folks to read. True. Not only because the words can be hard, which we talked about last week's with parasites and amorites and jebusites and parasites. I'm not making that up. Has a Z, doesn't have an S. The parasites of parizo. I, I have no idea. Um, there are some things, believe it or not, folks, in the Bible, we don't really know why they're there. Mm-hmm. Countries of names that we never really heard of because they were destroyed before history. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, that land over there is called Joe Land. Why? No idea, but that's what it's called. I
1: think that happens. To, yeah, yeah.
0: So, this week I thought I'd talk about something interesting. Whereas, there's a phrase in this passage, this beautiful passage, that is difficult to understand. I left it for a liturgist one time, got a text message at Disneyland about, hey, no one knows what this is, including me. Could you explain so I can get them off my back? So this is this was the passage. It was 1 Samuel 3. If you're unfamiliar with 1 Samuel 3, the prophet Samuel, who was the one who ordained David king of Israel, Saul as well, but David tends to be the more well-known, more popular figure, um, was born to a mother who had been barren, and she promised she would turn him over to God to do whatever pr- purpose God would if he would just allow her to have this son. And so he went to live in the temple, and one night God's calling him, saying, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks the high priest, Eli, is calling him. Finally, Eli figures it out and says, well, the next time he calls to you, just say, speak, your servant is listening. It's a beautiful passage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ironically enough, in the passage, God explains to Samuel that the high priest and all of his sons are going to pay for the crimes they've committed. <laughs> um, and the next day, Eli very awkwardly asks Samuel, hey, what did he tell you? Well. Mm-hmm. He told me you were gonna your your reign was gonna end as the high priest and your sons were gonna go with you and and Samuel beautifully replies, Well, he's God, I guess he's gonna do whatever he wants. <laughs> so in this passage there there is a phrase, and the phrase is All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Now, you would read that passage and you would say, I don't know who Dan is. I really don't know what Beersheba is. And most of us in, in Indiana here would say Beersheba. B-E-E-R-S-H-E-B-A. That's Beersheba. Is that a kind of brew? Is that a local thing? Hey, nope.
1: Hooked on phonics work for us, so... Well, it
0: works for me. <laughs> um, if it was spelled out in Hebrew, you'd probably have to pull out your tongue and twist it to say what it really says. So, uh, But Beersheba is a transliteration, as is Dan, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Dan was uh, one of um, Isaac's, or not Isaac, um, Jacob's sons, one of the tribes of Israel. So, to explain what that means, for anyone out there who's ever struggled is Dan was the highest northern city in Israel. I've actually dug there on on archaeological digs. Um, The land of Dan that was given to the tribe of Dan in the Promised Land was actually a beautiful area down on the beach where the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Hittites and all these other nations crossed for centuries fighting with each other. So it wasn't a great land to own, because it's hard to stop people traveling on lowlands, particularly when they have better weapons and badder dudes than you do. Mm -hmm. Which the Egyptians and the Hittites and the Assyrians totally had for several generations. Not all generations, but several. So the Danites moved up to this beautiful area up in the northern part of the country, up in the hills, and said, y'all can have that. We gonna hang out up here. Beersheba is down in the, in the southern region of Israel. The idea was from Dan to Beersheba was a prophet in the Old Testament's fancy way of saying the entire land of Israel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: From Dan to Beersheba was like saying from sea to shining sea. <laughs> so, yet another chapter, and if you're going to leave that for your liturgist... Please leave a footnote explaining
1: what, what you're means. talking
0: about. <laughs> it's important. It's important as a pastor. You know, we're two guys who happen to be pastors. I forget. It's just like when I get up front. I've gotten up front before and, and sang. Um, there's a part in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6-4, that actually uh, Hebrew folks, Jewish folks, will sing at the beginning of a service on on Sabbath. That, uh, it's, it's called the Shema. It's a Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It's hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And there's another part where he'll reign forever. I don't want to get singing Hebrew here cause I'll sound like Elvis, but, <laughs> um, I've stood up front and done things like that before, you know, not part of the service, just, you know, Sometimes it really centers me mm-hmm. to say, I'm giving this to God. God is one. It's all yours. Here, here, O Israel, I'm saying God hear the word of the Lord today. And people come up and go, Hey, what was that fancy jazzy tune you was singing up <laughs> there earlier? So there's an explanation for everything. And, you know, being pastors, I would encourage you if your pastor says something that you don't understand or maybe find a little off putting, do yourself and them a favor male, female, whatever, and ask them about it. Mm -hmm. And if they're hesitant to tell you, I got news for you. They may not know what they're talking about (laughs) because most pastors would love to talk to you about Mm -hmm. it. So it's a good way to check in on your pastor and make sure they're doing okay. So, um, speaking of stuff you don't understand, um, let's move into a topic that I know is close to pastor Matt's heart. Um, Let's talk about something Pastor Matt doesn't understand this week with you young people and with the hippies and the and the music and the whatnot.
1: You know, Glenn, I I saw a shirt um, this week and it it was actually something I, I darn near pulled the trigger on Amazon, but I didn't I didn't. But I will say this, it went on my Christmas list. Um, it's a shirt that has a picture of Ronald Reagan with oh, a tie. Gotta do it now. Oh it's a tie with the American flag on it and it's got him with like the scowl on his face and underneath it it says I smell hippies <laughs> and I kind of want to buy it you know um but you know it is what it is you young folks out there I see you I'm uh this week I am specifically talking to the ones who are in the ag community folks I understand that comfort is a big deal to you guys. I get it. I do. But... I don't understand these new Hey Dude shoes. If you don't know what they are, they are basically a slip-on... They're kind of like a boat shoe, but they're more... Like, they have taller sides, and they're a little more fancy, and they're supposed to be more comfortable. I refuse to wear a pair of them. A lot of livestock people wear them... Um, I was seeing them in the show ring, which I, don't get me started on that. But um, growing up when I was in 4-H and everything, and I'm not saying that everything has to stay back in my day, but I was always told that you needed to present yourself a little bit more professional and things like that. Hence why I've always worn square-toed boots. Whether they're work boots or dress boots, they're going to look halfway professional doesn't matter if I'm, you know, running a cattle sale or if I'm turning wrenches on the combine. You know, it looks more professional. You know, it gives you more protection and things. And people say, well, you just wear them to, like, drive around and do things with. (sighs) Folks, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't. And I get they are only, like, 50 bucks and all this stuff. I refuse. I literally, so I was in a store about a week or two ago. Um, looking for some new boots. And uh, I saw a friend of mine I knew, and he had a pair of these underneath his arm. And I said, uh, you going to buy those? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. They're so comfortable. I'm going to wear them around the house like slippers. Then buy slippers. Sell yourself 40 bucks. And I asked him jokingly, I said, "Uh, did those come with a purse too or anything, you know? Maybe a satchel. mm. Maybe a satchel. Hey, Indiana Jones carried one of them. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand it. I don't. I refuse to buy them. If you're out there listening, it's like, well, Matt, if I can't wear hey, dudes, what should I wear? Talk to me. I got plenty of suggestions. I've gone through plenty of my share of boots. And we'll get you going in the right way. Speaking of new clothing, new items... We're going to talk about in other news at Eastern Hancock. As we have mentioned, Glenn and I both work at Eastern Hancock School Corporation, and it sounds like a pretty neat thing has happened this week. Glenn, why don't you take it away for us on that? Well, I am a uh,
0: friend and fan of uh, Miss Allie Riggle, who's a first-grade teacher at Eastern Hancock. She's our spell bowl coach. Mm. And Spell Bowl, for those of you who could imagine, is for kids in elementary school who like to spell when they go to contests and various things. They were able to do these things online over the last year, so they didn't miss too, with too many hiccups. And um, I'm a big fan of t-shirts. T-shirts have character. Mm-hmm. I, much like the things in my office, I like something that tells a story. So I purchased a shirt recently. It's a wonderful shirt. It has a great fit. And on the front it says, Bad Spellers Untie. And when I walk into a place, I've noticed now about a month, month and a half into owning this shirt, one person will get it. Then everyone starts to get it. (laughs) I walked into Eastern Hancock to sub a day or two after getting the shirt, washing it and various things. Nobody got it <laughs> until Miss Allie Riggles saw the shirt and said, "Oh my gosh, that's the funniest shirt I've ever seen." To which two aides who were walking by said, "What? What about it?" Did, didn't see it. Mm-hmm. The joke is, bad spellers unite, but it says, "Untie. It's hilarious if it catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. So, the Spell Bowl shirts for our kids on the Spell Bowl team have the logo and things on the front. And on the back, I believe it says EH Spellers Untie.
1: <laughs>
0: They're a great group. They do very well at competitions. They're usually in the top two or three teams. And my hat's off to you guys. I don't have a Stetson hat, I don't even really have a ball cap. Mm hmm. But um, I do have a Jordanian headdress downstairs. So um, my keffiyeh, off to you, EH Spellbowl team. So we're going to close our time here tonight discussing what's on the docket or in the pastor's pocket. And I'll go ahead and start this rodeo here and prepare to pass it over to Pastor Matt. I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 24 this week. Um, Most of us, if you've attended a VBS or a Sunday school, have memorized Psalm 23, or at the very least know the gist of it. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. And as I grew and started becoming vocational with ministry and knowing the Bible, um, I realized I was going to have to memorize a lot more things than I had memorized. And I had memorized two scriptures, Psalms in the 20s, 23 and 29. And I realize that Psalm 24 might be far more Christian in its theology and far more um, awe-inspiring and breathtaking and important than even Psalm 23. Because Psalm 24 asks the question, starting off, who can stand in the presence of God? And it says, those who have clean hands and pure hearts, basically. Well, who does that cleansing? God Almighty does that cleansing. Whether it was the temple when you had to sacrifice your animal or the best of your crops. Or whether it was Jesus who shed his blood to cleanse our sins. God is the one who makes it possible for us to be in his presence at all. So who can stand in the presence of God? Anyone who has been cleansed in the blood of Jesus, as we understand it in Christian terms. Mm -hmm. Now for my hebrew friends out there psalm 24 would have a deeper meaning that god but the point is still the same that god cleanses us to make it acceptable for us to be in his presence so the meaning is really twofold
1: Mm
0: -hmm. one christ is your savior or yahweh is your savior and the second part is don't think too highly of yourself because if you are in the presence of God, that is not something that you did, friend. That is something that God did. And you need to share that grace and that love and that forgiveness with others. So, Pastor Matt, before we wrap this up, what's in your pocket for the upcoming week?
1: This week, I... Um... Something that's kind of been carrying, I've been carrying a little bit, and I've seen that, not necessarily in just my own congregation, but just what I've seen around, you know, social media is one of those things that you try not to, like, take it serious or anything, but we're getting ready to go into winter. It's going to get dark at 5 o'clock. So what do you do with the other, you know, 12 hours of the day? So um, what I've seen is a lot of egos, you know, egos being... You know, and there's nothing, I mean, I get it. Some people have, you know, you carry an ego with you. Some people might say, I, you know, I have an ego. Um, but talking, you know, I want to talk, I'm going to talk about, or I, I'm, I'm struggling with the idea of when we be when we start carrying an ego about being a Christian and not really focusing on the elements of that and not focusing on, why we started out with calling ourselves Christ followers, why we started out, why we started down this journey. And, uh, you know, we can, we can say, we can look and see what we do. We, you know, the church has done great work in the past. But, um, you know, we, we need to look back and see what's going on. We need to look, you know, go back and see what we did and why we did it. Was it because it brought glorification to God's kingdom? Or did it make a really good Facebook post? Did it make a really good newspaper article? And just kind of start digging into that, and start studying that a little bit more. Um, so that's what's in my pocket this week. So, friends, as, as Glenn said, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping this up. Um we thank you for joining us this week. Um, we, we have a blast doing these. They're fun. Um, like I said, if you want to look us up and give us a listen, uh, we, are look, we are on Spotify, we are on uh, SoundCloud, and we are also on Facebook as well. Um, just type in two guys who happen to be pastors on any of those platforms and be able to look us up. Um, folks, we truly hope that you have been able to use, uh, you use this time with us To laugh, to think, and maybe reflect even on where you're at in your walk, in your faith. Um, This is by no means a sermon, but if you want to treat it that way, if you want to treat it as a way to reconnect, which is what I talked about this morning about finding your sanctuary with with God, um, that is different with everybody. That's different with other people. Um, If you're listening to this in the car or wherever, and you just have a moment of clarity or whatever, even between the laughs or anything, then by all means, embrace it. Take it with you. And, you know, reconnect with God. And just allow Him to kind of come back to you a little bit. And maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been kind of sca- you know, um, scared or anything. But, folks, we just encourage you guys to, um, to just kind of take... Uh, Take it day by day, step by step, and enjoy, laugh with us, and um, just kind of of maybe embrace a new chapter in your life. So, uh, Glenn, do you have anything else you want to say before we close up?
0: Well, I would just remind you that uh, talk to your pastors, know your pastors. Make sure that they know you. It's important for you to know that your pastor's human. It's important for your pastor to know that they are human. And I want to close this time with a with a little prayer that I've used over the years that's uh, very special to me. And it goes something like this. May the Lord walk in front of you and be a light and a guide. May He walk behind you and protect you from the attacks of the enemy. May he walk beside you, be a friend and an advocate. And most importantly, friends, may he dwell within you and mold you and make you into a better you. So, for those of you out there, good night and we wish you nothing but the best. Good night, Lindy and Kessid. Good morning, Vladivostok. We'll see you soon.